morning. I hope you're all doing well today. It's a privilege to be here this morning. I think uh, Pastor Phil kind of did me a little bit of a disservice this morning, not dishonoring him and his charity this morning, but we start talking about prime rib and garlic Parmesan potatoes and all that and gumbo and then hand it over to a guest speaker. I know your stomachs are growling probably like mine are this morning, but hopefully you're hungry and thirsty for the word um, as well as food today. But I do, it's an honor to be here with you, um, and I'm going to share a little bit of, of the story, but just want to say thank you in all seriousness uh, for your generosity, for being the hands and the feet of Jesus. Uh, a year ago, um, our community was devastated, and um, you guys showed up, and you guys didn't wait. You guys were in line with trucks and provisions uh, when the uh, Florida Highway Patrol uh, allowed you to come in. You came in and you rescued a lot of people and a lot of blue tarps and uh, a lot of boots on the ground and uh, cleaning yards and removing debris, handing out a lot of food and supplies. And, and sincerely, I want to say thank you. And then the event the, uh, several weeks later for our Thanksgiving event, blessing the, the people in the community that I minister to. And I just want to say thank you. It, uh, it didn't go unnoticed. It's greatly appreciated. And I hope we never have to return the favor. But if the day should ever happen, we will be here as well. And for anyone else in the Panhandle or anywhere else in the Southeast, it made us very aware of the need for, uh, for emergency response. And uh, uh, it's a great need. And we sincerely, sincerely thank each and every one of you. It's hard to believe it's been a little over a year. Um, our church is still in the process. We're still negotiating <laughs> with an insurance company that is not very mutual and how they work with us. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, I'll leave it at that. I won't throw them under the bus too much, but hopefully by the end of the year, they will be supposedly sending me a very nice check so that we can put a new porch, front porch on the front, put carpet in our classrooms, uh, rebuild our youth building, our children's building, and one of our outlying uh, Christian education buildings. Uh, uh, praise God that uh, just two weeks ago, my oldest son is in his house. After a year, he was living with us. Praise the Lord. He's no longer living with us. We can, I could almost get spiritual right now and run this. Uh, amen. I got my lecture bill yesterday and literally in the one month he's gone, it went down $100. We can have Christmas and buy groceries all in the same month. Uh, I still have a few folks in my church who are still living with other folks or are still living in campers. It is still that bad. Uh, still a lot of folks who are um, living in part of their homes are still devastated. Just, it's just hard. It's just really hard. But hey, it's opportunity for us to show the love of Christ. We're still helping people as they're needing help, giving out groceries, helping people with, uh, with bills, whatever we can do. Still a lot of unemployment. Um, but God is still on the throne and he's still using his church to meet the needs uh, of the community. And we just thank God that we're being able to be used. We didn't slow down. We have not slowed down, and um, we just give God all the praise and the glory and the honor. Um, it is a privilege to be with you. I don't want to spend a lot of my message time talking about my, my past or my history, uh, but 1976, when my father was stationed here uh, from Des Moines, Iowa, to Eglin Air Force Base, this was my home church. Um, I was in fourth grade, and I was able to attend here for several years. Most of the folks that were here at that time are are gone on to be with the Lord. There's a few of them who recognize me, but I was the little um, brat. Uh, but uh, a lot was invested in me here and when it was Niceville Assembly, God, and I appreciate. I remember Wednesday nights with Brother Griffin and Royal Rangers, 
And Sister Solomon was a children's church director at the time. So I know those names may not mean a whole lot to you, but those who were around, you recognize those names. But thank you for investing in me and Pastor Phil for giving me the privilege to come and minister here this morning. I was going to come and talk a little bit about the storm and the recovery, but um, God just laid something else on my heart. It's a message um, that has been heavy on my heart. I've shared some of this with my own church, and I think it's, it's a seasonal message, not necessarily a Christmas message, but it's definitely a seasonal message. It's definitely the heart of our Lord and our Savior. And it's a message, it's a story in John chapter 4, if you want to turn there with me this morning, that you're probably familiar with if you grew up in Sunday school or Christian education. If you're new to the Lord, it's probably a message that you're, a story you will become familiar with because it's a very powerful message um, in chapter John, uh, John chapter 4 and dealing with our Lord and Savior. Um, and, and, and I call the title of this message, The Power of Your Invitation. Your invitation. And have you ever had an invitation in your life that changed your life? Maybe it was a job interview that you received that, that was for a, the dream job or a company that you wanted to work for, a big corporation or something. Or maybe it was a dinner party or a social event and you, you met someone there that changed your life, that changed the course of your life. I remember uh, about approximately 33 years ago, I was living here in Niceville at the time, still living with my mom and dad over in Dartmouth Way. Matter of fact, Pastor Phil's house was my childhood house and home that I grew up with and still living over in Dartmouth Way. And, and I remember that uh, Pastor Phil invited me at the time to, to go with him back to Panama City to go hunting one day. And I was all about hunting, so I went over with him that day and traveled over there. And we hunted that afternoon and went over to his mom and dad. At that time, they lived on Tram Road. And Tram Road at the time was a dirt road that was off of, I know you don't know the street names, but it was off of Star Avenue. And we was over there, and I don't, I don't remember why we went by his mom and dad, maybe to visit with them or to check on them. But we was there, and, and suddenly we heard this noise, and down Tram Road, there's a dirt road. Uh, cloud that's coming down Tram Road and suddenly a gold car turns up in the driveway on two wheels. I mean, just flying down this road, pulled up in the driveway and this beautiful young lady comes out and it was his sister Sh Sherry came out and she just kind of waved at us as she went in the house. And I kind of got the idea that she knew I was going to be there because she really didn't give us the time of day, just kind of said, hi, how you doing? And because of his invitation, I got to lay my eyes on her for the first time. I said, wow, she, she's really, really cute. And so a couple weeks later, um, she had a, a friend who was flying in from Cincinnati and she happened to be flying into the airport over here in Fort Walton. So Sherry came over and after church, Phil invited me to go to lunch with him. And, and of course, Sherry was there with her friend and we got to talking together. And, and man, this, this, she was like, wow. She, I'm like, she's really a really beautiful young girl. And I think, man, I really like this girl. And because of that invitation, she got to know me a little bit better. And, and, and in spite of the rumors going around, she liked me. I don't care what the rumors say. She really liked me that day, and, 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 and I don't care what anyone else says. I think she fell in love with me that day. I, I know I really became a very affectionate towards her. And, of course, a couple weeks, actually two months later, I got the nerve to call her and invite her to the Valentine's banquet right here at Niceville Assembly God at that time over in the social hall in the old building. And she accepted my invitation, although she would not let me go over and pick her up and bring her over. And in spite of the rumors, because in case the date went bad, she could go home. In, in spite of all those rumors, I, I, but anyhow, she came over and that night, um, needless to say, we, we hit it off quite well. And 
33 years later, we are now together, been married for 32 years, but that was our first date and we haven't looked back. All because of what? Of an invitation by her brother. And because of that invitation, my life changed, her life changed, his life changed, and today your life is changing. See, all because of what? The power of one invitation, see? The power of an invitation. See, because why? There is power in that invitation. I want to look at this particular story today, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but basically this story is about a time when Jesus is traveling through the area of Samaria. Now, if you know anything about the times of the Bible, Samaria, for a Jew to go through Samaria was a no-no. The Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. It's kind of like a family feud. I won't go into the history of the northern kingdom from the Old Testament and the southern kingdom from the Old Testament, but basically the northern kingdom was wiped out from the Assyrians, and, and and the Jews in the northern kingdom at the time basically were assimilated into the pagan nations around them. And so they were kind of not fully blood Jews. And so because of that, the southern kingdom of, of Judah at the time in the Old Testament, they just didn't, they kind of discriminated against them. They said, hey, look, you, you, you know, it's, it's kind of like Florida State and Florida fans. You know, you discriminate against each other. You live in the same area, but you just don't really care for each other. But it was a little bit stronger than that. So for Jesus to go through this region was really a, a no-no. You didn't do it. But Jesus, he did. He went through here. And while he was going through there, he was tired and he was hungry. And he encountered this Samaritan woman. And so the disciples said, Jesus, you wait by this well. It's the middle of the day, and we're going to go into this village, and we're going to find you something to eat. And, of course, the well was there for you to have something to drink. And he encounters this lady who comes out in the middle of the day to get some water. And when he does, they have this great conversation, and it develops into a religious conversation. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But in this encounter, he tells her a little bit about her life. And in turn, she gives, goes back into her village, and she gives one of these great invitations that changes the lives of many, many people. Now, as we look at the scripture and the story, I want to let you know right off the bat, for you all that know this story, there is a lot of theological doctrine here. We're not going to talk theological doctrine today, okay? I mean, there's the conversation about where and how to worship. Worship in spirit and truth. We, we, we know that, and there's a lot there we can tackle. But I'm not going to mess up the church and leave. I'm not going to be one of those ministers that come in to mess up the church and leave, okay? Because I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor, and I don't want anyone to do that to me, all right? Sowing and reaping there. And there's also about the water. If you drink of the water, you'll never thirst. Great doctrine there, but I'm not even going to talk about that. What I want to discuss this morning, what I want us to look is a practical application of this lady's invitation to the village where she lived and the impact of her story on their lives and how it changed their lives. So with that in mind, let's look just at a four scriptures here that kind of sum up this encounter. And then we're going to look at four quick points that I think you can take home today. And pastor, I think you might have to go to three services before long. Out of faith, I'm believing that, okay? So let's look at this real quick. So to sum this up, look at John chapter 4, verse 28 through 30. This is what it says. Then leaving her water jug, jar, this is the lady, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done, or I did, I've ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards them. Now look at verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves 
and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Isn't that an amazing scripture, an amazing story? It all started with one invitation, one invitation to a neighbor, one invitation to a coworker, one invitation to a friend, the power of one invitation. And that's what this message is about this morning. This message is about your testimony. This message is about your invitation. This message is about you going to your family, your friends, your coworkers, and sharing what God has done in your life. You invite them to come hear about the man, a man who has changed your life because there is power in what God has done for you. And what God has done for you, God is more than willing and he wants to do for them. And it's that simple. It is that simple of a story. Now, here's the thing. We are in the Christmas season. There's no doubt about it that this, I mean, look around. Everything says it's Christmas time in the city, right? It is definitely time. And statistics show that between Thanksgiving and the end of January, am I doing something, brother? Telling me to hush up? Just hang on, change, stay with me. There we go. All right. I can't speak without both hands, but we'll see how we do here. All right. <laughs> I'm like my father. If you know my father, you know what I'm talking about. I'm like a cat in a dog pen right here. All right, here we go. <laughs> We're all good. All right. Yeah, don't start barking now. All right, we're going to get serious here. I'll start running. All right. All right. Statistics show that between Thanksgiving and the end of January, is when most people who attend church maybe once or twice a year is when they come. Okay, now get that picture. Those that come once or twice a year at the most, this is when they're to come most often. Okay, so get that. But statistics also show for those who are unchurched and go for the very first time, this is when they're most likely going to attend. So this is the window of opportunity for the church. Now, when I use the word church during this message, Understand something, I'm not talking about the physical building here. I'm talking about the church being you and I. You are the church. Understand that, okay? So when I say church, or if I say, if I mistakenly say Niceville Assembly, please don't shoot me. I'm going to try to say genuine, okay? All right? I don't mean this physical building. I'm talking about you. You are genuine. Amen? Come on, get behind me and I go faster and you get home quicker. All right. And when you laugh at my jokes, that's not always good either, because I may get it go longer. But anyway, no, 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 we won't go there. All right. But when I say church or genuine, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about this physical building, because one day you may grow so much that you may have to actually move locations. We don't know. Right. I mean, hopefully this building over here is going to become available one day. Right. And I'm not speaking out of faith. I'm speaking prophetically here. Right. All right. Only God knows. All right. So when I say that, I'm not talking about your invite to church. I'm talking about your invite to church. We want people to come join the church, not the church, okay? And so this is the prime time. Even society of all the 12 months of the year, this is the one time that society really doesn't fight us on the message of faith. You're in the splash zone, by the way, just the anointing, okay? All right. This is the one time society doesn't fight us when we start. Matter of fact, in some ways they actually join us in the message of Christmas. They may not just come out and say 
well, we're worshiping a baby in a manger, right? They may not, but they're okay most of the time with the nativity scene. They're definitely okay with the Christmas tree, and we can talk about the themes of Christmas. And this is that one time of the year where we can share the true meaning of Christmas. Now, here's another thing I want to share with you statistically. Depending on which organizations doing the research, but they say that between 70 and 80% of the unchurched people in America, if they are invited to church, not the building, the people, that they will come. I'm going to slow down and let you think about that. 70 to 80% of the unchurched people living in your neighborhoods that you work with, you play ball with, you hunt with, you fish with, you play golf with, whatever it is, would come to church if someone simply invited them to come to church with them. And that's amazing when you think about it, that they're willing to come if someone would what? Just simply extend an invitation to them. Now, I want something else. I'm, I'm, I know I'm familiar with what Bear Creek does to reach the lost in our community. I'm not as familiar with what Jen Yu does, but I do know some of the things that you do. So I'm going to say this. I don't want you to be misunderstood here. I don't want to be misunderstood, rather. All that Jen Yu does on social media or billboards or radio or TV, whatever you all do, is not to replace what you should be doing as an individual to reach your neighbors, your friends, and your co-workers. So often in the modern church today, we, we, we feel like it's the staff's responsibility to reach the lost. And it's really not. If I want to get really technical about it, the New Testament says that the staff is responsible for equipping you to do the ministry of reaching the lost. And, and Pastor Phil may have, I'm sure he's preached these themes and has taught you guys. You guys seem to be pretty sharp here this morning. But it's a reminder to you, okay, that, hey, it's your responsibility. And I would say it's your obligation considering all that Jesus has done for you. You have the open door to reach the people around you if you'll just step out of your comfort zone and share your testimony with them. And invite them to be a part. See, I, my hope is still in the church. My hope is still the answer to the world is here today. It's you and I. I still, it was God's idea for the church. It wasn't man's idea. Now, man has taken the church and sometimes we, we've massaged it, we've moved around, we've tried different things. But the message is still the same. The church is still the answer for the world. And that's because God has ordained the church. You and I to be his hands, his feet, his mouth. I love what's written on the side of your church. It's the same thing that we believe at Bear Creek. This place is not this building. This body is a place of love, a place of acceptance, and a place of forgiveness, which is exactly what the world needs today, isn't it? When you look at what's happening in the news. Well, let me continue. Let me continue. So let's look at this story. There's four points, real quick points. Okay, that I think we can look at here and, and glean from. Okay, Four things that every life-changing invitation has in common. The first one is a supernatural appointment. Every life-changing invitation has a supernatural appointment. John 4, 4, and 4, 7 says this. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw 
water. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? If you look at the scripture, look before the scripture, you look at the scripture, you'll see that there's no indication of some urgency that he had to leave or go. It just simply says that he was going from one particular destination to another. He was leaving the area of Judea and he was returning to the region of Galilee, okay? So we're left to believe that the urgency that Jesus had was an unction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was leaving, leading him to leave Judea to go to Galilee, and he was being led to go through a region of country that he shouldn't have been going through. Why? The Holy Spirit was leading him. Why? Because there was an appointment, a supernatural appointment that God had ordained Jesus to be at for that afternoon. It just happened to be in the middle of the day when most people aren't at a well, and it happened to be during the time when this particular lady came to the well. We could talk about why she was at the well. I've heard many messages about, well, she didn't come in the morning when most women came because of her lifestyle. That may be true, but I've told you, we're not going to break down what we don't know. Let's look at what we do know. And what we do know is Jesus was there in the middle of the day, and this woman showed up, and it happened to be why? Because the Holy Spirit ordained it. And it's the same way with you. You have places to be every day. I know I do. Come on, you have places to be every day. School, work, appointments, whatever you have to do. But what you have to understand is as you're going to these places you have to be at every day, that there are God moments, God appointments made by the Holy Spirit that you're going to cross paths with people that need to hear and see the love of God in action through you. Is that simple? This is a simple message for a very critical time in the history of our country, in the history of your community, in the history of your life. It's ordained of God. You have places to go. And listen, it's never going to be convenient for you. I've never had it in my schedule, on my calendar, a convenient time where I just had nothing to do. And suddenly someone walks up and needed to hear about Jesus. It's always on my way to the hospital or it's when my truck is messing up and breaking down or somebody has a crisis or my wife has me going to Walmart for the third time in four days and it's not easy to get to Walmart from where I live. Come on, somebody. It's a never convenient time. It may be when I plan to go hunting. When the moon phase is just right. And my camera shows that the dip buck was just moving the day before at this very moment. Come on, guys. It's never convenient. But what we have to understand is we have to look beyond our circumstances. We have to look beyond our schedule. We have to look beyond, beyond our calendar and see those appointments that God has ordained. They're supernatural for us to be able to speak into the lives of people God has crossed with our paths. And you know what? Sometimes it's just about telling your story to these people. You don't have to be a preacher. Just tell your story. See them in need. Be Christ with the flesh, right? Show some compassion towards people. It's not hard. Open a door. Help them carry groceries to their car. Pedal honey out of the back of your truck. I've done that before. <laughs> That's a story for another time. It's never. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tired. And his disciples were concerned about his fatigue. And they left him at a well and went looking for food. And we think that God wants us to talk to someone that God will arrange it when we have the time and the other people have the time and everything will just line up. 
And it doesn't work that way. Supernatural appointments don't always happen at a convenient time. They happen when we're busy. They happen when we're tired. We're, we're on our way to do something. They, act, they, act, they even happen when we're hungry. Prime rib. Y'all got real spiritual when he said prime rib. Y'all ain't got spiritual since I've been preaching. I'm pointing that out, okay? Between you and your maker, but I'm just pointing out. Y'all were shouting and clapping hands and just saying, all right? All right. So every life-changing invitation has supernatural appointment, but it also has a divine preparation, okay? Jesus is talking to this woman, but not just any woman. A Samaritan woman and his disciples show up, and they're kind of shocked that he's talking to this woman. What are you doing, Lord? Do you not know this woman is a Samaritan woman? Plus, we left you here to rest. We brought you food. You need to be eaten right now. And you, by talking to this woman, everything you've done to build up your, your ministry, your reputation is going to be destroyed by talking to this woman. Come on, Lord, you need to come, you need to come eat. Come on. And what does Jesus do? What he always does. He uses this moment to teach his disciples to teach them, hey, look, guys, you don't understand. I'm here for this very reason. I'm not here to eat. You think we came this way to get, get to Galilee quicker and came this way because I'm hungry. The very reason I'm here is for this woman. And he uses it as a teaching moment. He says, listen, my food is do the will of the Father who sent me. In other words, I'm not stuck on this life. I'm not stuck about the things on this life. My focus isn't on this life. My substance, my energy, my purpose comes from reaching the lost and doing the will of my Father. Oh, if we could just focus on that in our lives. And he tells them this to teach them that God is doing something they can't see or understand. Verses 37 and 38. Thus the saying, one sows and other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. And you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And what Jesus is saying is this lady has already been prepared by God. See, God is doing way more than you and I can see in the lives of the people around us. And we sometimes forget that. See, sometimes we put the pressure on us, don't we? I got to say the right things. Now, there, I think there's something to be said about being prepared. Having your testimony ready or, or being open to be led of the Holy Spirit to speak into people's lives, having that compassion. There is something about being prepared. I think there's, an, there's something noteworthy about that. But we, we put a lot of pressure on us for that. And the reality is, is that there's other people that may have already talked to those people in our lives that, we, that God has now sent us. See, the Bible tells us that some plant, some water, but only God brings increase. Let me tell you, 10 years ago when I became the pastor at Bear Creek, never senior pastor. I worked with kids my whole life. I tell you, they're a lot easier to work with. Y'all are a rough bunch. I can tell you right now. <laughs> and when I became a senior pastor, it, it, thank God there's only 20 people in the church. I couldn't mess up a whole lot of people, in other words. God knew what he was doing, I can tell you. But I struggled with that. I looked at these churches that... We're running large numbers, and man, I'm, I'm working hard, and I'm praying, and I'm learning the, the, the craft of preaching and developing messages and, and praying, and Lord, help me, help me, help And God, very early in my ministry, said, it's not on you. And it's not on you. The kingdom of God, the principle is you do what you can do. The whole one of the main principles of the Word of God is you do what you can do, and God, God doesn't expect you to work miracles. He expects you to operate in faith. 
Everything. When you give your tithes, your offering, you're, you're, you're giving the seed. God makes it grow. You let go of it by faith. See, when you pray for someone's healing, you, 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 God can use the power through you, but it's your faith in line with God's power. God does the miracle. See, and when you speak to someone about their salvation, you out of faith speak to them, but only God brings the increase. You hear my heart this morning. And, and so that's what he's teaching. The Holy Spirit had already been working. There'd already been those, the prophets. They knew the scriptures, in other words, and the prophets had already spoken to them through the, through the Old Testament scriptures that they had. And, and so he's saying, look, you're, you're, we're here. This lady is ready to be harvested. And so is this village. Everything that was happening right then was a process, and it was time for her to be harvested along with her neighbors, her friends, her family person God leads you to talk to and invite to join the body God has already been working on them remember we have no idea what God is doing in the background Jesus is saying you think it's all about you it's not all about you it's not all about your conversation you play a part but you are a part of a divine conspiracy God is reaching out to people trying to communicate his love to them and you're part of that conspiracy but you do play a part not only does a life-changing invitation have a supernatural appointment, divine preparation, but it also has a fearless, I'm going to use that word, fearless invitation. Think about this woman. She goes back and just starts asking people to come meet Jesus, verse 28 through 30. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I'd ever done. I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. Come see this man who told me everything I've ever done. Everything you've ever done? Everything I've ever done. Wait a minute. You grew up around here. See, some of y'all could tell some things about what I've done. But we won't go there. It's not about me today. Mary, you grew up here. Yeah, I know, I know. He told you about your first husband and why he divorced you? Yep. He told you about your second husband and why he divorced you? Yep, he sure did. He told you about little Mo with a gimpy leg and why he didn't marry you? Yep, he told me about him too. Yep, sure did, yeah. What about Billy Bob? Told me about Billy Bob. I wonder if some of the people, are, or some of the guys in that village thinking, I wonder if he told her about me. Did they go out of suspicious about what he knew about them? I, I mean, I don't know. I can only speculate at this point. What about the time? He told me everything. Not only did he tell me about everything I've done, I don't want to add to or take away from this, but we have to understand for her reputation, because see, the conversation between her and Jesus was, I want to tell you about a water that if you drink of, you'll never thirst again. And she says, oh, I want that water. He says, I tell you what, go back and get your husband. I want to tell him about it. She said, well, I'm not married. He goes, yeah, you're right. You're not. Well, only way Jesus, Jesus was very gentle, had a way of doing it. If I did it, I've been sarcastic about it. But yeah, you're right. You're not, you're not married, but you've been married five times, right? And the guy you're living with now is not your husband, is what Jesus said. So we have to get the implication here that Jesus did more than just tell her about her past because this lady had a reputation in her village and she had to have had some reputation because what convinced the people in the village to come with her? She had to have had a change in her life. See the point? I mean, I don't want to add to it, take away, but something about her life changed. 
When she went and said, hey, let me hit her. I want to introduce you to somebody who told me about my life, my past. The matter. There's something about my life. He's changed me. There had to be some evidence to the change in her life. Because they wanted to come out and see for themselves. See, And that's what this is about right here. And he says, yeah, not only did he tell me about what I've done, but he spoke into my life too. You have to meet this man. And she told them about Jesus and invited them to see for themselves. And it said that many believed. We have to ask ourselves, why don't we have that fearless invitation in us? You know, I find that we tell people everything about all kinds of stuff today, don't we? I mean, we got all kinds of social media. We like to tell people about things in our lives, about a great place we ate at, about, you know, big buck we killed, about our team winning, all kinds of, nothing wrong with that. I'm not beating that up. Please don't, don't take it the wrong way. But we need to be as excited about telling people about what Jesus has done for us and how he's changed our lives. I don't know a whole lot about many lives out here. But I know from my perspective, from my church, and I'm sure it's true here. Man, I can think about people in my church and I think about the lives that have been saved just in this past year in my church. Because we got the word out about who Jesus is during a tough time of the storm and people lost everything. And you know what? Jesus saved them. And their lowest point, marriages that have been restored through terrible circumstances and, and people who have been delivered from drug addictions. The power of the Holy Spirit in life. I think about alcoholics who are now plugged into a small group and, and they're dry. They've been delivered from the addiction of alcoholism. I think about people whose kids were not living for God and, and, the, and, and God has restored the family dynamic, the nucleus, and their kids are now serving God. And I'm sure this happened throughout this congregation as well. Think about what God has done for you. Come see a man who's changed my life, who's changed my family, who's restored my marriage who's healed my body, who's helped me make my bills when I didn't know where I was going to make, how I was going to pay my bills. Come meet a man who could do for me what nobody else can do. You might say, well, because I deal with this a lot with people, but I don't want people to know about my past. I've got a past. We all do. And a couple years ago, God dealt with me in my past. And this isn't about me, but God helped me understand that my past is a trophy of grace. My past is a trophy of grace. I'm not proud of my past. I'm not proud of it. I don't wear it around like a medal. This, but as Paul says, that's what I was. That's who you were. It's not who I am. I'm the child of the most high God. I'm a prince of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who I was. And because of that, I now can minister in a way that some people can't because I've been through that and I can help people who are going through that. See, a trophy of grace. And then there's some of us who says, well, I just feel like I need to be quiet about my faith. And that's what society has taught us. No, no. Just let your faith speak for itself. Can I be honest with you? I'm not saying get on the corner with a, bull, with a bullhorn shouting. If God leads you to do that, God bless you. I'm not against. I mean, God calls us to do different things. Okay? There was a time that did work, and I'm not preaching against that. I, I, believe, I want more Christians to live their faith out in your actions. I wish more 
not the message. Don't know about y'all, but I want more Christians who claim to be Christians to live the Christian life. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I want that. But above and beyond, you, yes, you need to live your, your faith out for people to see your good works so they glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. But I think beyond that, don't let culture tell you you've got to be quiet about your faith. You have a right as, as a United States citizen to let your voice be heard about your faith and what you believe and sharing the, the message of the gospel. Amen. There's an obligation. I think today, and, and I'm, I'm going, I've got one more point in my clothes, and I'm going to hand it over to the pastor. I'm, I'm thrilled to know that you guys, I hope soon that we're going to go back to two services. Since the storm, we, obviously our numbers were devastated. We're not quite there. There's someone promised that maybe we can go back to two services. I told my church just a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you that we have gotten so quiet about our faith because we're afraid of running people off. And I want to challenge you, Okay. We're so afraid of running people off that we're letting people go to hell. I know that hurts a little bit. But don't be so afraid of running them off that, that we're, we're not letting the invitation. I'm not talking about confrontational witnessing. I'm talking about letting the love of God come through and telling them about what Jesus has done. They can't argue with what you. They can argue all they want to whether God is real or not. But they can't argue with what God has done for you. She went back to her village and said, let me tell you about a man who told me everything about myself. And I'm different because he has. He's the real. Could he be the Messiah? And then we've got to get to the point that an empty chair next to you bothers you. Does having an empty chair next to you bother you? I hope it does. And it's not that we want to fill this church building so that we say we have a full building. But it's so that we know we're being productive for the kingdom of God. Because this is a place of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. You want to stop the drugs. You want to stop the, the molestations. You want to stop the crime. You want to stop the murders. Get, introduce people to Jesus. You'll change your culture. You'll change your culture. Finally, as I close... Every life-changing invitation has a supernatural appointment, divine preparation, fearless invitation, and finally, it has a miraculous outcome. Who would have guessed that an invitation from one woman would have results and that entire town be changed? We don't know if everybody was changed, but I fully believe there was enough people changed that changed that town. Here's the results. John 34, 39, 42. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. I love that. Because of her testimony, they believe. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and, they, and he stayed two days. He was teaching them, telling them about the kingdom of God. And because of his words, many more became. Because of her testimony, many believed. Then he stayed, and because he stayed, many more believed. Okay? Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. I love it. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We believe because you said, but now we know for ourselves he really is the Messiah. He really is the savior. He really is the son of God. He really is the man he claims to be. Amen? And that's powerful. That's a miracle right there. The greatest miracle that ever could be. 
It's a domino effect. Her faith, one story, her life has changed. Her testimony goes back and a town is turned upside down for God. Spiritual renewal takes place. We would call it revival today. Amen. Can you imagine if Niceville Assembly or Valpe or, or the greater Okaloosa County area, whatever you want to say, you wouldn't have enough room. You couldn't have enough services to hold if 10% of this area was, was reached for the kingdom of God through this fellowship. Well, that's a big number. What if 1% was reached? What if half the congregation, I don't know how big you guys are, but what if half of you guys, if everybody invited somebody or reached somebody, what if you half of y'all reached one person for the kingdom of God and they come back and you celebrate, you came in rejoicing, bringing in your sheaves, weeping as you bring in your sheaves, your harvest. Yeah, you'd have to go to more service. And this is not about building up a church in the sense of look what we're doing as much as it's building up the kingdom of God, because one day a trumpet's going to sound. There's going to be a trumpet that sounds, and we're going to be taken out of here. And when we're gone, it's going to be too late for you and I to reach anybody else at that point. Miraculous turnaround. That could be your Christmas this year. That could be your Christmas this year. Can you imagine? Revival in your family, revival in your place of Employment, revival in your neighborhood, that neighbor that dogs, his hunting dogs bark all day and all night. That guy that every Saturday morning at 5 a.m. loading up his dog box and dogs are barking and you're still trying to sleep in and you get him saved and maybe he opens up a door where, hey, look, man, can you do? Anyways, you know where I'm going with that. <laughs> See, no one is unreachable with God for with God, nothing is impossible. But it will not happen without an invitation. All that stands in the way of the miracle is your invitation. Because miracles start with an invitation. There's appointments waiting on you. There's already been preparation. Even without you, God's already prepared people that are waiting on you. you got to get over your fear, your apprehension. you got to slow down and see the opportunities. And I promise if you do, you will be amazed at the miracles that will take place as you talk to people about what God has done for you. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Amen? Amen. Let me close with this question. I always have two closings, sorry. How many can honestly say you know somebody that you could talk to about your testimony, what God's done for you. I'm asking an honest question. How many of you really said, you know what, between now and the end, we just want to say the end of January because everybody, whether you're saved or unsaved, wants to start the new year off with some type of, I want my life to change. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You raising your hands. Can I tell you something? Don't pray for that person's salvation. <gasps> God's done everything he can do to save that person. He sent his son to die for him. Pray for the open door to speak into their lives. Pray for the bondages that may be holding that person back to be broken. Pray for the influences in that person's life that's, that's bad to be removed so that the gospel message can be spoken into their lives and let it be you and let it be received. Amen? Because I know that God is not slow as some suppose, but it's his will that none should perish. He's waiting. He's waiting. Can I pray for you before I hand it over to the pastor? Is that okay?